days on growing pains. I'm proud to say the least. He did an awesome job. We watched while we were in Florida, and it was 90 degrees, and the sun was shining. And I'm very relaxed. I'm very comfortable this morning. I don't know if you can tell by my attire, but I am just completely at rest and relaxed. But uh, he did a great job. One of the things that he said that stuck out to me in his sermon on growing pains was, everyone wants to grow, but nobody wants to hurt. Then he went on to say, prayer changes us and matures us. Sometimes the storm doesn't stop, but he calms us. He changes us in the midst of the storm, and sometimes he calms the storm. But thank you, Jesus, for open lines of communication. Now, today in our time together, I want to continue with our series on mature audiences only to look at some things that will uh, give light to how we can mature and grow. And we're going to discuss today the difference between childish and childlike. Carol, I was hoping that Maverick was going to be here because I was going to ask Anna if I could grab him and bring him up here. He probably would have cried. Maybe not. He's a cool kid. But if he would have cried, I was going to tell you, this. see, that's not childish. That's childlike. How old is he? Eight months old. What do babies do when they're eight, eight months old? They poo and eat and cry. That's right. The problem with the difference in being childish is there's a lot of immature believers who are still pooing and crying and expecting somebody else to feed them. <laughs> she liked that one, Jim. These adjectives are both, uh, they're, they're adjectives about our character. And character matters. We're going to end this series in a couple of weeks with the subject of character does matter. Thank God for His grace. Can anybody say amen? amen? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, but don't use that freedom to go back into bondage again. Will you, let's, let's just take a minute and pray. Thank you, Father, for helping us to awaken to our realities as new creations in you. Thank you for eyes to see, ears to hear, a mouth to proclaim, a heart to receive, and a mind to believe all the good things that you've already provided us through Jesus at the cross. And this morning, we are willingly receiving your loving correction for direction in our lives by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. Now, Paul is going to make a few statements here. I want to cross-reference it with something that James said. and Because, you know, Paul and James seem to be at odds against one another at times because Paul was the minister of grace who said that it is not by works that we are saved, lest any man should boast it is a gift from God. But then we turn around and we read James, and James will say things like, faith without works is dead. Well, Paul said, I don't have to work, but James said, if I don't work, then it doesn't show my faith. Here's what's happening. Paul says the reality is that under the old covenant, you had to work and perform to receive salvation. That has ceased. God gave you a gift through what Jesus did at the cross. If you will receive it by faith, you are awakened to the reality that you are already the sons and daughters of God and that He has forgiven your sins, past, present, and future, and that you He took away the sins of the world. 
But James then comes along and he says, now to show that or to prove to the world that you are a child of God, you're going to have to put feet on your faith because we're not saved by works, but we are saved unto good works. And a lot of immature, childish believers will receive the gift of salvation but never put feet on their faith. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. But there is a transition. Paul said, when I was a child. Now this word child here is napius. It means simple-minded, an infant, or immature. So Paul is stating that he did realize that in his life there was a period of childishness. Immature, <laughs> yeah. simple-minded, and an infant. And because of that stage of childishness, I spoke like a child. In other words, I chattered, I made sounds, I babbled. That's what that word speak means in the Greek. As a child, I thought, or I, sh now listen to this word thought. I thought as a child. He says, this is to show outward behavior that corresponds with my insight. So if I have a law-based old covenant mentality, my behavior, my outward expression of the insight that I have will correlate with what I believe. Stay with me. Like a child. He, he, then he goes on to say, I reasoned like a child. But, somebody say but. When I became a man, well, let's just look at the phrase, when I became. This, this is a transition from one point, from one realm, from one condition to another. So it's saying like, I was in the kingdom of darkness, but when I believed, I transitioned in the twinkling of an eye. The scripture that Paul writes to Timothy does not deal with how the Lord will appear at a second coming. I'm not negating that. I'm not getting into that today. But the twinkling of an eye transition that took place was when you believed. Instantaneously, you were transitioned from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. I mean, bat your eye. That's how quick it happened. When that transition took, <laughs> hey, yeah. When that transition took place, man, I felt that go all through me. When that transition took place, old things passed away, and behold, all things became brand new. Jesus didn't take your old nature and remodel it. You aren't the improved version of the old version. You are a brand new creation. I was a child, but when I became a man, that transition period from one realm to another realm the word man, I became a man here is in reference to age and maturity with notion also of intelligence and virtue as opposed to childishness. He said, when I became a man, 
Then I put away childish things. To put away means to make inactive, to make of no effect, to separate from, to make invalid and totally inoperative, and to mean not. With childish, simple-minded, immature, infantile things. So when I was a child, I spoke like a child, reasoned like a child, thought like a child, acted like a child, behaved like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. The problem is, you became a man. In reference to man here, I'm not talking about gender. You made the transition when you believed. You moved realms. You moved points. You went from one to the other. But have you put away childish things? See, our subtitle this month is, uh, this, These Topics May Not Be Suitable for Immature Believers. Because, see, if in, in maturity states, we'll, you'll think I'm trying to condemn you and step on your toes, when in all reality, I'm giving you the difference between being childish and childlike. You'll have to examine your own heart. You'll have to let the Holy Spirit speak to you, show you where you are, and then make those adjustments in your life. Now, I said I'll cross-reference that with James 1.8. James 1.8 says, A double-minded man, underline or circle that word, double-minded. A double-minded man is unstable, and then underline that unstable in all of his ways. That word unstable means immature. So what do I mean by a double-minded man, if I may? Thank you, babe. She's sending me a message that I'm getting ready to speak. I'm not, okay, I won't tell you. I'm sorry. Sweet. If I may, allow me to bring a few things to light in the context of the old covenant law and the new covenant grace when it comes to being childish and childlike. How they affect our mind, the way that we think, the way that we reason, and ultimately the way that we believe and believe and behave. Double-minded refers to mixture. Um, let me just chase a rabbit. In the messages to the churches in Revelation at Laodicea, there's Paul, sorry, John. John writes and he says, um, that God would rather you be hot or cold than lukewarm because he spews lukewarmness out of your mouth. Can I tell you what that gives you a picture of? What is lukewarmness? It's a mixture. It's a mixture of hot and cold. Now, we've preached this and said, you need to be hot for God. Be on fire for God. Okay, that's fine. But he said he'd rather you be hot or cold. What's it mean to be cold? Basically, the mixture is trying to mix the old covenant mentality of the law and adhering to animal sacrifice and working through the feast and the Sabbaths and all of these things that we could never do because if we could have done them, matter of fact, every Gentile in the building, raise your hand. It was never for us. Okay? So, but it was put in place... And along with it, because he knew we couldn't keep it, he gave us a sacrifice system. But when Jesus came along and was sacrificed once and for all, 
with the blood of, that is better than goats and bulls, we don't have rules to keep. We have a relationship where the Holy Spirit speaks to us. So therefore, the Holy Spirit is to us in the New Covenant as the law was in the Old Covenant. The problem is childishness keeps us from allowing the Holy... Let's, let me say it simply this way. Immature childishness says things like this. I'll just do it anyway. God will forgive me. But a mature believer would say, realize that they have an indwelling Holy Spirit. Take it to the Holy Spirit. Now if the Holy Spirit lets you get by with it, go for it. So, okay. And he might tell you, Gary, that you can get by with some things that I can't get by with. Because he has a personal relationship with you. And he has a personal relationship with me. Herein lies the problem. We have accepted the free gift of righteousness provided by the finished work of the cross, yet simultaneously in our own efforts we're trying to adhere to a man-made set of rules and performances. Look at the screen. You are, so stop trying to become. You are the sons and daughters of God, so stop trying to become. You are accepted in the beloved. Quit trying to become accepted. You are everything that pertains to life and godliness has been given to you. Quit trying to earn it from him. Because children don't understand, childishness does not understand that gifts are given because you are loved. Not because you perform. I give gifts to my children because they are my children and I love them not because they did something for me. If they did something for me and then I gave them a wage for what they did for me, that is work that received a payment. But we don't work for love. We don't work for salvation. We don't work for acceptance. If you do, you're still operating under a childish mindset and don't understand that God is giving you. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You don't have to work to earn it. Now, we'll get to some things that mature believers do here in just a second. But operating under the law where that performance-based mentality is like going back to crawling after you've been walking. You've been walking with the Lord and all of a sudden you're going to revert back to crawling? That's what it is to go back under that performance-based mentality to follow a set of rules. I'm not even, I'm not downing the law. It was holy, it was just, it served a purpose, it pointed, it shut up faith, it pointed us all to Christ, we need a Savior, thank God for Jesus. But I'm even talking about in the modern times where each denomination or church has its own set of rules that you have to perform. I was talking to a gentleman this week that I used to be involved in ministries where you signed covenants. Okay, And in, within this covenant, you made bold declarations that you would do or you wouldn't do certain things. The problem with that is as soon as I did or didn't do one of those things, the church leaders disqualified me and maybe excommunicated me and had nothing in place to restore me or you. 
So that's a childish mentality. What we should do and what is written into the bylaws of Grace Life Church is we deal with people within relationship. And so when things happen that are unbecoming of sons, then in that relationship we can bring correction and direction because everything about the cross is redemptive. So everything that you what kind of ministry has God given us? The ministry of reconciliation. When speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus compared them to children. He said, you're childish. Then he gives an example in Luke 17 when he says this, or Luke 7. He says, you are like children in the marketplace. You're playing your flute and then you cry and whine and complain because nobody danced. Then you were playing the flute to get some kind of praise or response from somebody. That's what a child would do. He said, you cry and then over nothing and then you want people, you're criticizing, you're complaining, you're changing the rules of the game as you play, so no, no wonder nobody wants to play with you. There's a, uh, a man in the back, he's a man child, 22 years old, about to graduate from college, who was the best of the best at changing the rules as you play because he was going to do whatever it took to win. Nobody wanted to play with him. Then it got to the point where I didn't let him win. I had to try to beat him. They criticize, they accuse, and they condemn. This immaturity. When you see people like this, they don't have very many close relationships. They seek immediate gratification. They're highly sensitive and easily offended, and they play the blame game. It's not my fault. They did this. Oh, it's not my fault. This happened to me when I was five. Oh, it's not my fault. Now, this is illustrated in John the ninth chapter. In John the ninth chapter, read it when you get home. In the first verse, it says that there's a man that comes to Jesus who's blind. Matter of fact, it specifically says he was born blind. This is not a man who lost his sight. This is a child who was born blind and went throughout his life blind. And the listen to the childishness of the disciples, but don't do, be too hard on them because we are a lot like them. Listen to what they say. Jesus, who sinned, this man or the man's parents? Because in the old covenant, the childish thinking of that mentality was that you could trace a problem, a situation, an illness, a sickness, a disability to a sin. You attached it to a sin and it could have gone back four generations. Now, I'll just boldly proclaim, I do not believe in generational curses. That's just me, okay? If you do, that's fine, because I believe that the curse hung on the tree, according to Galatians. And one drop of his blood that touched a cursed earth reversed the curse of the earth and everything that was in it. Now, are we predisposed to certain things that we saw modeled in front of us? Absolutely. But it's not a curse. It's just the environment that you grew up in, and you can overcome that. But Yes, sir, it was broken. But these guys, want to, in their childishness, they want to pick sides. They look at the issue. What's the issue? The man's blind. So let's blame somebody. Let's pick sides and let's blame somebody. That's childishness. 
let's just logically think about this for just a second. If the man was born blind, how did he sin? Just think about it. Do infants in their mother's womb sin? I mean, just logically. These guys said, did he sin? No. Did his parents sin? I love what Jesus said. He doesn't pick sides. If you look at John, the ninth chapter, about verse number two or three, Jesus says, neither. Neither have sinned. I'm not going to play this childish game. We're not going to blame. We're not going to pick sides. Neither have sinned. You're looking at the issues, guys. I'm looking at the man. (laughs) And because he loved the man, he didn't care if he was blind, disabled, deaf, couldn't speak. That the it's not an issue that we pick sides over. Within the church, we are so childish. I'm not a political person, but we pick sides on politics so much. I'm going to be really honest with you. We have lost a ton of people at Grace Life over the last several years over pity little issues of politics. And you're on this side and I'm on that side. And because I'm on this side and you're on that side, I'm going to pick sides and it ain't yours. Had nothing to do with Jesus or love. And so we've got to say, like Jesus said, neither. I'm not picking sides. See, there are people in this building, and then under the sound of my voice, and I probably will leave, lose people over this too, but you want me to pick sides on, on sexual issues. I'm worried about the person. I want to minister to the person. I don't care if they're LGBTQXYZ. It doesn't matter. Because if I'm going to focus on the issue, then I become childish and I want to pick sides and then I'm going to end up in my own efforts not loving that individual because of my preconceived ideas and I feel God all over me. That's strong. Neither. Neither. Don't have to pick sides. See, we will know we are growing and maturing when we are more concerned about people than we are their issues or what we disagree with them about. You'll know you are making progress when your love for them overshadows your opinion about them. Childish or childlike? Old covenant or new covenant? Double-minded? Mixture? 1 Corinthians 14, 20, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. Now, when in regards to evil, you can be infant. You don't, you don't have to have a whole lot of knowledge about the evil side. Leave it. But in your thinking, think like adults. In other words, stop thinking over with an old covenant mindset. Think with a new covenant mindset. Why? Because immature, childish, it is immature and childish to walk or perform out of the law. This word adult here is the same word that Matthew used last week, teleos, which means mature. Think maturely. Because Romans 6.14 says you are no longer under law, you are under grace. 
See, childish believers abiding under the law are selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed. But children walking in faith are believers that are selfless and Christ-centered, preferring their brother over themselves. I don't want to take up too much time, but I do want to quickly give you some marks of maturity. Are you ready? I'd take some notes on this. Here are some marks, some signs that I can see in my own life to introspectively say what areas do I need to improve in so that I'm walking in a new covenant mindset as a man and I'm putting away childish things. Number one, take personal responsibility. Stop playing the blame game. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Just own up to it. Yep, I did that. I made a mistake. I am sorry. See, the, the thing is, you have to understand that if there are things that you have done, um, it does not change the way that God sees you, thinks about you, or what he did for you. But it, it is time to take personal responsibility and own up to it and repent and say, yes, I did that, I'm sorry, and move on from it. Now, there may be some consequences, and children are afraid of consequences when they're in trouble. But adults own up to their mistakes, take responsibility. I'll accept the consequences, but I'm thankful that God's good to me even when I'm bad and I move on from it. Amen? A mark of maturity is controlling anger and not letting it control you. Oh, look at that. Isn't that sad? He's two years old. He's laying in the floor at Walmart and he's kicking and screaming. I've seen adults do it in church. Didn't get their way. Uh, you're playing in the backyard. Playing football. I intercepted that pass. No, you didn't. You were out of bounds. I'm taking my football and go home. Seen it happen in the church. I'm going to take my tithe and go home. Same thing. Temper tantrums. Pouting. Peace within situations that are out of my control is a mark of maturity. It's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Number three, stability. Remember we said that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That word unstable means immature. A mark of a mature person is stability. Highs and lows of life, neither one adversely affect a mature person who has stability. The concern is when you drop out of the bottom and you're, you're skyrocketing and then you drop out of the bottom again and you're skyrocketing, uh, there's stability. Here's a good one, number four. Ignore the specks. Matthew 7 talks about the speck in your brother's eye. Why do you got a telephone pole sticking out of your own? It says a beam. That was the JRW version telephone pole. Don't sweat the small stuff. Quit making mountains out of molehills. Ignore the specks. Love the person and move on. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. I'm going to say it again louder for those in the back. Just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should. Because there's some things that I could do, partake in, that maybe... Darius has struggled with 
And as a leader, if he sees me doing that and then he thinks it's acceptable, then it's going to cause him major problems in his life. Now, I can do it. Holy Spirit's released me, given me freedom, told me I can do it. But it doesn't mean I should. And whatever you're thinking in your mind, yeah, you're right about it. Let go of it. Refuse to live life holding a grudge. It's childish. Pout, pouting about what happened to you. And blaming somebody else. That's immaturity. That's what children do. And I know 70 year olds that are doing it. Slow to hold grudges, quick to forgive. Let go of it. Give it to the Lord. It may be one finger at a time. It, it may not just be a, oh, I can release that right now. It may just be letting go. But don't hold on to that grudge, that offense. Number seven, accept the assignment of influencing others. Stay with me for just a second. I'm about done. Jennifer, if you'll just come and play. You and I have an assignment, whether we understand it or even like it or not, and that assignment is we affect and impact others. Okay. Now, you can either accept the assignment and do something about it, like just because I can doesn't mean I should. And then just because I can, and maybe I shouldn't, well, if I put that in practice will help me make better decisions. Especially when it comes to influencing and impacting others. People know where you go to church or that you just go to church. I'm talking to everybody even watching online. People know that you go to church or that you are a Christian. So you can accept the assignment that you're going to influence their life and they're watching you, especially unbelievers. Now they may have a wrong concept and a preconceived idea of what a Christian should look and act like. I'm not talking. Here's the one sign that everybody's going to know that you are Christ's disciples. Love them. Quit taking your Bible and trying to beat them over the head with their sin or their issue or try to shove that scripture down their throat and force feed them. See, there are many, many starving, thirsty people in a dry and hot land and they need a cool drink of water. Quit throwing it in their face. Offer them that cool drink of living water. Because we're being watched. Can I tell you where people are watching you? that may not even have a personal relationship with you. Social media. I can't tell you how many times that people have commented to me, well, such and such at your church that does this at your church did this. Thank God I'm not the sheriff. I don't patrol people's behavior. It's not my assignment. My assignment is to love you. And to teach you that you have an indwelling Holy Spirit that wants to lead, guide, and direct you. And if you'll be sensitive to that and be mature, take responsibility, He will guide you and veer, keep you from falling into pits and traps. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we need revival. Now you all have, when I said that word, things came to your mind just like that. What it looks like, what it sounds like, what transpires, what emotion comes. And I'm not saying that any of those are wrong at all. But what I believe that Christians, the church, the kingdom of God, especially in America, but globally, we need a revival of humility. We need a revival of kindness. We need, a revi- we need to be revived in brotherly affection and love towards one another. Because I'm telling you, if we don't accept the assignment that others are watching us and that we influence them, they don't care if we dance, jump, spin around, speak in tongues, cast out devils, fall in the floor. They're watching and they'll stand over here and they'll keep watching you. And when thou, all of that emotionalism and hype is over, do you love me? My kids are sick. Will you come and help me? I don't have food at my house. We need a revival of humility, kindness. Are we mature believers? Now listen, I love to go to football games and shout and scream and cheer for my team and I, with the best of them. Me and Jonathan get together and we go to a football game. We're crazy. I love good church services with great praise and worship and bands and lights and dancing and name it all. I mean, I've been in the floor. I've been jumping. I've done it all. I thank God for every experience that I've ever had and what experiences I'm still yet to have. But if I don't love people, despite what they may look like, what their lifestyles are all about, And see, what people want to instantly do with that is they want to say, but God is just. His justice is seen in His love. Spiritual maturity isn't about the age, the appearance, or the achievements. It's walking with Papa in the garden and letting what He's worked inside come out of us. It starts with who we are, and then it moves to how we act. But we've gotten the cart before the horse, and we've told people how they should act, and they don't know who they are. Mature believers who know they are, and they're confident in who they are, it has an effect on how they act. It affects their mouth, it affects their motives, it affects their money, it affects their marriages. It is, it is immature to walk through life and operate in a covenant that has already been fulfilled. Titus 3, verse 9, and this is where I'll close, says to avoid foolish disputes and genealogies and contentions and strivings, watch this, about the law. For they are unprofitable and useless. But what? all we want to talk about in the church most of the time is the rules but we're not being taught about a relationship and in that relationship letting it grow listen I, I know that 
we shouldn't commit adultery. I know that we shouldn't kill and rob and destroy. We shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. We shouldn't. We should honor the Sabbath day, but the thing about the Sabbath day is now it's not one day a week, it's every day because He is our Sabbath. I know all of those things, but if you put those up as a moral code for people to follow, guess what? They're going to rebel against it. So I'm going to take them down and say Jesus already refused. He fulfilled all of those in the 613 commentaries that went along with all of those Ten Commandments. But if you will follow the voice of the Holy Spirit in you, I guarantee you He'll keep you from committing adultery. I guarantee you He'll keep you from robbing and stealing and killing. But see, in in our immature states, we'll say, oh, He'll forgive me. And we'll just go ahead and do it. But it's time to put some big boy and big girl pants on and start seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance. And then as He gives permission and direction, then following that. Let's stand. I went too long. But I think it was good stuff. Help me. Grace, grace, God's grace, greater than all of my sin. And I'm thankful for it because I'm not. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you do not fall out of grace. You fall into it. So as the Holy Spirit leads you and you take those strides and those steps in that, just have all confidence that he's, it's like walking a tightrope. If you fall off, you're going to fall into his grace. But don't just live out there on that tightrope doing anything and everything you want to do I mean you can you're free to but there's consequences to it and it's going to impact and affect other people not just you might impact and influence your children your grandchildren your neighbor Holy Spirit thank you that you live on the inside of us (laughs) you move and live in us and we live and move and have our being in you we're thankful for that now in the closing moments of this service speak to us your sweet tender way about how we can grow up how we can mature how can we stop crawling when we've already been walking I pray that you'd help us to realize this morning maybe someone just needs to confidently with a mindset of rededicating and recommitting that they are who you say they are. And they don't have to strive to become anything. Accepted, loved, forgiven. It's a done deal. It's a finished work. But we need to recommit ourselves to that this morning. If that's where you are today and you just want to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. There's been areas that I've not believed you in. There's been areas that I've gone back to crawling when I've walked in those areas before. Reignite, rekindle the passion and the zeal as I walk with you. Maybe some of us need to make a decision this morning and say, yeah, I I know that I affect other people, my behavior, my lifestyle, the words that I speak, the way that I represent. 
my father has been often and I want to represent I want to represent Christ to the world through my actions and Holy Spirit just help me if that's where you are this morning maybe you want to kneel at your seat maybe you want to come to the altar you can say prayers right there in your seat prayers of commitment surrender maybe you're under the sound of my voice and you have never surrendered your life to the Lord and accepted his life it's not even an exchange he doesn't want your old life it's done away with in him but he wants you to accept his life he's already provided the means for that I was crucified with Christ it's never, now it's not I who lives but it's Christ who lives in me you're awakened to that and you want to pray a prayer all you have to say is Lord I believe Lord, I believe this morning that you died on the cross for me. You shed your blood for me. And that blood has forgiven me, cleansed me, wiped away all of my sins. And I step into the reality that I am a child of God. Is that you this morning? Lord, I believe. Believe in the finished work of the cross. I, I, I believe with all of my heart that if you say that you believed in your heart and you meant that, that this morning you have instantly in the twinkling of an eye became a brand new creation. Now the old things are passed away and you all things are new, but we have to put off childish things. So as a sign in a, of surrender and a symbol by faith of surrender, would everyone just lift your hands right now and ask the Holy Spirit to deal with you? Am I being childish in any area? Would you speak to me, Holy Spirit, right now in this moment? Am I being childish in any area? Do I need to correct any of those things in my life? Thank you that you love me, that I am your child, that you have not disqualified me from that. I'm still in the kingdom. I'm still your son. But there's things that I need to correct in my life. Speak to me about that, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to continue to speak to you. How does he speak? He speaks through his word, the scriptures. So I would continue to read the scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me through the scriptures. He communicates to us through our spirit, his spirit bearing witness with our spirit. So as we communicate with the Lord in prayer, even praying in the spirit, because there's things that I, the petitions that I pray in the spirit that the Holy Spirit gives utterance God understands that, and then it benefits me, builds up my faith as I pray in the Spirit. Talking to others, listening to worship music. God can speak to you in the middle of a worship song. He can speak to you through His creation and nature. Uh, who was it that said that to oh, Cindy Mon, their daughter has been in a coma because of a blood clot, medically induced coma, and she told the Lord that, Lord, I know there will be a turnaround when I see a deer. And within moments, a deer jumped across the road at her. And then that evening, she came off the ventilator and she's had a turnaround and God is touching her. I mean, that's exciting news for them. I, uh, he speaks to us through his creation. There's many, many ways that he wants to speak to you, even in conversation with other people. So um, allow... God to speak to you this week. Amen. Anything on anybody's heart before we go? Do you have something now? Okay. I sure love you. 
I appreciate you. You encourage me, and I hope that we encourage you. And this week, remember that the Lord's blessed you. The Lord is keeping you. The Lord has caused His face to shine upon you, and He to be gracious to you. He's turned His countenance towards you, and He's given you peace. Peace even in the situations that we can't control. Wednesday night, casserole, bring your favorite one. Um, I like tuna casserole. 